14. I just turned 14. You turned 14, mm -hmm. and that, like, literally the birthday present was you've got cancer. Yeah. Olympic Channel Podcast, Buenos Aires 2018. That was Patrick McCaffrey, I'm Ed Knowles, and this is the official Olympic Channel podcast. We are in Buenos Aires, and as well as giving you all the headlines from the Youth Olympic Games each day, we will be finding the biggest Olympic talking points and asking some of the world's very best athletes and influencers to go in deep about all things Olympic. I have been hanging out in the urban park, really, because it's absolutely awesome. I watched a bit of the sport climbing and I was also witness to the historic first breaking medal. Absolutely loving it. There was an amazing atmosphere down there for the three-on-three basketball when Argentina played. Rowdy, definitely, but fun. And it's so sunny, it's so nice. Anyway, today we have an interview with a three-on-three -three athlete. He is still a teenager, but four years ago, he was diagnosed with cancer. That interview is coming up. It's really inspirational, so stick around for that. But first... The Youth Olympic Games headlines. There will be a refugee team at Tokyo 2020. The International Olympic Committee has confirmed that they will help athletes who can't represent their own country due to conflict. Skateboarding legend Tony Hawk took a whistle-stop tour at the Youth Olympic Games. Skating will be a new event at Tokyo 2020. Speaking on our YOG Daily Live show, Hawk said that the Olympic Games presented a unique space for those who take part. What a great opportunity for skaters from different countries to represent their countries, yeah. to be recognized on an international stage like that. And keep an eye out as well for medals in the table tennis men, women's singles, the men's 4x100 medley in the swimming, which is also great, plus medals for both genders in the single schools in the rowing at the Youth Olympic Games. Head to olympicchannel.com for more news and features from here in Buenos Aires. Olympic Channel Podcast, Buenos Aires 2018. He is tall, like really tall. Every time I've met a basketball player, even a so-called smaller one, they are always really tall. And Patrick McCaffrey fits the bill when it comes to being a basketball player. He's very tall. His story, though, isn't really like many others. Four years ago, he was told that he had cancer. It's given him a new perspective on life, especially as he lost another friend to the disease not long after he contracted his own illness. But he's got interests like any other teenager. His favorite rapper is Drake. He likes the new Lil Wayne album. So before our conversation turned to cancer, I asked him about how his basketball was going here at the Youth Olympic Games. Olympic Channel Podcast, Buenos Aires 2018. We went one and one, so it could have went better, but I think uh, the, we, so we ended up losing the first game, won the second one, so I think we improved on a lot of stuff that didn't go well in the first game, in the second game. So I think we took a step in the right direction. And it's busy, isn't it? You've got practice right after, mm -hmm. and it's all back-to-back -back games and yeah. stuff. It's, it's hard, isn't it, I suppose? Yeah, it, it has been pretty busy ever since we've got here. We haven't really had like, a whole ton, uh, ton of downtime, but I mean, that's why you come to this stuff. It's, it's way cooler. Like, I would rather just do like all this stuff like out here rather than just sit in the room. Can you just explain a little bit about your family and how you grew up? Uh, yeah, so my dad, my dad played basketball at the University of Pennsylvania, and then my mom, who was a lot better, played at uh, Notre Dame. In, which was one of the best girls programs in the country. So, yeah. So I've got I got some pedigree, and then my, my brother plays at Iowa right now. For my my dad's the, my dad's a head coach, so he plays at Iowa for my dad. 
So it's needless to say you're, you're all quite tall. Yes, yeah. You're quite tall as uh -huh. well, aren't you? So yes. It's, it's, uh, who is the tallest? Me, actually. So my my, my dad is on, my dad's like six four, six five, and then my mom's about six two, and then and then I'm about six eight, six nine, and then my brother, my older brother's like. My older brother's probably like six five. My little brother, though, I think is going to be the biggest out of all of us. Oh really? So, yeah. He's, he keeps catching up on you already. Yeah, he, he's pre he's pretty big. <laughs> How tall is he at the moment? He's I think he's like five ten, five eleven. He's only he's like he's twelve. Oh my! Do, yeah. What looks do you get when you turn up at restaurants? Do you oh, all fit in cars? Yeah, we no, we do fit in cars. We have some pretty big cars. You always have drove those big SUVs, but uh, <laughs> yeah, he he gets some pretty weird looks. It's it's weird look, looking at him like when he plays basketball or when he's in school because he's just like way bigger than everybody else. Because <laughs> like he's he's pretty like big too. Like he's a big kid. So like just look he yeah he gets some weird looks. <laughs> so anyway, one of the things, one of the reasons why we. Um, we got in contact was because uh, back four years ago, this seemed like completely impossible. Mm -hmm. uh, you were diagnosed with with cancer. Could you just take us back to that moment and and how that all happened? Um, so it started off with uh, so I was working out. I was doing basketball stuff with one of my trainers who I've been working with for for a long time, like probably two or three years at that point. And um, he like he he took me home. And he told my mom that he said that he thought that I was like getting like really short of breath, like really fast and like was like struggling to recover. And he said that wasn't like normally like me. So then she ended up taking me to the doctor and I got a head and chest x-ray and they noticed like a narrowing in my trachea. And then so then after they noticed that, um, I ended up having to get an ultrasound and then they found the uh, tumor in there. So then I had to get surgery to get it removed. And all the biopsies up until the surgery said that they didn't think it was going to be cancerous. There wasn't like a whole lot of cancer cells. And so then they took it out and it ended up being cancerous. So then I had to get um, another surgery a couple weeks later. And then after I got that, uh, I had to do like a bunch of other just kind of like other treatments just to make sure that the cancer didn't come back. So, I mean, it's pretty, that's a really intense situation, isn't mm -hmm. it? I yeah. mean, how did, you, how did it feel like when you were telling your family and, and you were around receiving that kind of news? Uh, it, it definitely was conversation that you're not used, used to having. It's just kind of like, I don't know, it's just really like, really quiet conversation that nobody really says like too much after that. Like, they just kind of said, like they woke me up after my first surgery, so it was like, so I, my surgery was on like, I think it was on the, tw it was on the 19th, my surgery was on the 19th and I stayed in the hospital on the 20th of March. And then, um, so I woke up at my house on the 21st and then they ended up, that's when like my, they came and woke me up and then they said we had to go back to the hospital because it was cancer. So it's just kind of like conversation that I'd never want to have again with like me or with anybody else. No, I mean, and you, you're young now. You were super young then. How old are you? I was I, I, so the twentieth is actually my birthday. And I I just turned I just turned fourteen. I just turned fourteen. You turned fourteen, mm -hmm. and, and that like literally the birthday present was you've got cancer. Yeah. Wow. And how did your parents say? What what did they say at the time? I suppose they must have been super supportive. It's times like that when you actually really appreciate all your family members. Mm -hmm. They just said that they were going to be there for me every step of the way, and that, they, that I was going to beat it and everything like that. And they just said that. Um, that just the surgery will be really similar to this one and they don't think that it'll like carry on into like 
my my older years so they just said that like i'll just have to push through this little like bump the, the doctors always called it like just a little kind of a little like bump in the road in your life so they said you just gotta like, kind of push through and just kind of be tough be persistent and just kind of make it through this little rough patch and then it'll be better but it must affect you in some way mentally now you must have a new appreciation for life really. absolutely and uh so one of my friends actually got diagnosed like a month after i did and he, yeah, it was, it was so like it was a really hard time, and I, and his was his case was a lot worse than mine. He ended up passing away about a year later, so that, it was it was brutal. But uh, so seeing a lot of the stuff that he went through and being there with him and just kind of being able to go through that together made things a lot easier on me. And so just kind of seeing like what he had to go through on a daily basis just made it a lot easier. So yeah, that. But also made it harder too, just kind of knowing that we both had to go through that. It almost almost felt normal. Like yeah, it was supposed yeah. to happen, like, but it, that's not. No, no. I mean, what was his name? And Austin Schrader. So when you are now on the basketball court, is it something that gives you an extra strength? Or, you know, do you train a little bit differently after that? Does you, do you give more to sport? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it definitely, uh, definitely made me miss the game more. It just kind of made, it just kind of brought like a new appreciation to the game because now like it's kind of a scare where you know like well I can't like I can't play this game forever and I can't like it, it could be taken away from me at any time and, I, and sometimes like I won't be able to play anymore so just kind of being able to have that in the back of your mind every time you step on the court that it could be the last time you ever do so it just kind of gives you a new appreciation for playing. I look at any athlete and I'm super jealous. Mm -hmm. I think they've got the best job in the world. They're so talented at what they do and they're having all this success. You know, for me, success is definitely just even being here. You know, like mm -hmm. making the team for me would yeah. always be a success. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, but actually there's sometimes there's things going on behind the scenes that people don't really realize. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely is a lot of really hard work. And yeah, like if, if like I and I still have a lot more left to hope. Well, hopefully, left to accomplish in my basketball career than this. This is just a really cool opportunity that I'm looking to take a lot of advantage of on the, on the way, and hopefully, use this to better myself for the future. So I'll be able to make take advantage of more opportunities and get more opportunities like this, and maybe play in a real Olympics. Sure. And at the real Olympics, uh, three on three is gonna is gonna be there quite soon. Mm -hmm. Why should we care about the three on three? Why why is it like super exciting? Uh, it's a really fast-paced game. There's a lot, a lot of, lot of dunks, a lot of threes. So I mean, people are into that kind of thing. So <laughs> it's just, it's really fast-paced. 12-second uh, shot clock, and it's also like, it's also like a really physical game. It's not, it's not really the same game as five on five. Yeah, you're trying to put a ball in a hoop, but there's a lot of other stuff that like is different. Like it's, it's continuous. It's not like your traditional like backyard type three on three. So uh, yeah, it's a really exciting game. It's really fast-paced. So just people that like to see a lot of shots and just a lot of action, three on three is probably the place. It's not just that though, is it? There's some, and, and like the basketball is 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 the main event, obviously. But there's lots of things going around it. It's not like a normal court, for mm -hmm. example, yeah. isn't it? And they put it in like different places, yeah. don't they? Yeah, we play it outside, and yeah, and just yeah, it just kind of yeah, it's definitely a different game in a lot of different aspects. And they have like a DJ on and stuff yeah, like yeah, that. and the, the crowd is crazy. It's like it's more like a soccer game than a basketball game. There's just a bunch of people screaming and yelling all over the place. Yeah, it's, good and bad in soccer. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> Uh, here, I was noticing that it was absolutely rammed. It was so packed out. Mm -hmm. Was it packed out for you when you were in the stadium? What was the crowd like? Oh uh, yeah, there was yeah there was a lot of people watching us, and they were they were all really supportive. There was a, Argentina was playing, and there was a ton of people watching them, <laughs> way more than us. But 
Yeah, we we have, we have to play them later in the tournament, so we'll have we should have a pretty big crowd, I would think. But yeah, the energy just around it all is just pre pretty amazing. And it, you can't really play USA. I mean, it must be amazing to get that call where mm. someone says you're on the team to play for the dream team, yeah. Team USA basketball. Yeah. How was that? It was it was a really cool moment. You don't really get you don't get this opportunity every day to have wear a USA across your chest. It's pretty much the biggest honor you can have playing basketball, being able to represent your country on on an international level. So um, I've just just worked really hard at this, so it feels good to be able to do it. Sure. And what did you what did your mom and dad say? They were they were really happy for me. They. Uh, yeah, they were, they were really happy for me. They just told me, they just were telling me to make the most of the opportunity and just just stop and smell the roses and just take advantage of every little thing that I can take advantage of and just have have a fun time while I'm here. I suppose that comes naturally though mm -hmm. after everything that you've done. It's like it's yeah. one of those things you don't have to do that. Or do you still have to pinch yourself and, and think? No, no, you definitely still have to pinch yourself. I've I, I've been some like the opening ceremonies last night. Sometimes you just kind of got to stop. And just like whoa, man! Like this, <laughs> this, this, this is some pretty cool stuff. It's just it's not everyday stuff, and I've had a lot of really, really special opportunities through the game of basketball. So just yeah, you definitely have to stop and pinch yourself sometimes. Just wow, man, this is this is cool. <laughs> and you can't have the stars and stripes and not be a bit of a target for people and play basketball. Mm -hmm. Do you think that you've got a, a chance of, of of winning here in Buenos Aires? Oh uh, well, we lost our first game today, so that that doesn't help. But I still think that we could. Yeah, if we win if we win the rest of our games, we can make it to the metal rounds. I, in the metal, once you get to the metal rounds, I think anything can happen. So yeah, I think we definitely have we have a really talented group. So I think we definitely can have, make a run at it and have a shot at taking home the gold medal. I'm from someone who's had their life on the line, basically. What would you say to someone who may be, uh, you know, like a message for somebody who's maybe feeling a little bit down and, and, and just a message for making the most out of life? Well, I'll, I'll say something that my, that my friend Austin always said. He just always said that it could always be worse. Like he could always have a worse situation. Like he always, like he always had great people around him. Like he, and obviously, he was going through some pretty stuff, tough with his health, tough stuff with his health. But he always had great people around him, and it, it could always be worse. It just you just kind of got to take that in perspective, and just really sit back and just kind of realize that like what else could be going on in your life, and really, it's it's not that bad. Thank you very much. Yeah, no problem. If you want to see how Patrick gets on in the two must-win games for USA, then stay tuned on Thursday the 11th of October. They play Estonia at 11.30 Buenos Aires time, and then home favourite Argentina at 2.30, and come what may, the atmosphere there will be absolutely buzzing. Right, tomorrow we will be focusing on breaking, what it is and why it was such an amazing event at the individual finals the other day. I have also been giving you an athlete to look out for every single day, and today is no different. So how about Cormac Kennedy Leverett from Australia? He's a rower with a pretty good pedigree. He was second in the Junior World Championships single schools this year, and in 2017, he won gold. Rowing is just one of the hundreds of events that are streaming right now on Olympic Channel. If you need your Youth Olympic Games live, then head over there. Don't forget to check out our Yog Daily either. Ashley Tullock and the gang have been having fun over there, live each day from the Athletes' Village at the Game Changers Hub. Go in and say hi if you are in the Athletes' Village. That's live on Facebook and Twitter every single day of the Games. 
and I am stationed in Buenos Aires for the whole of the Youth Olympic Games. So get on board for a daily podcast, subscribe, and you'll get great interviews and stay across all the action too. Right, that is it for now. See you soon. Think like an Olympian. Olympian.